the true self kind of grates against the false self, right? What I'm referring to is what it means to be a human comma being. Beneath who you are not is where you will find who you are. And it truly is an excavation mission. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. I am Tom Rutledge and welcome to Emotional Sobriety, our podcast. Uh, with me is uh, Dr. Alan Berger, as always, and uh, Patrick Newman, our producer. How, how, let's, uh, we, we started last time with just a bit of a check-in. Why don't we do that again? All right. Well, howdy, everyone. Uh, broadcasting live from, uh, or this is a taped, I guess, but uh, from San Diego. Um, but, we're, and, but we're live. We are live right now. Yeah, we are live currently. I mean, knock on wood, right? Uh, you know, may, may an anvil not drop on me as soon as uh, we cut signal at the end of this. But uh, yeah, no, I'm here to visit um, my best friend, uh, my girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend's grandparents. Uh, I sat outside uh, on the coast in La Jolla and got very sunburned uh, yesterday. Uh, but, uh, cool. you know, uh, pleasantly so. And uh, it's just... Uh, it's great to be able to um, step aside and to do this. And uh, I mean, I don't know, this is kind of an, an ideal gig, uh, this podcast, because it, it's an opportunity uh, to, um, to, connect, to connect emotionally to the things that are important to me, as well as, you know, to uh, exercise some of these skill sets that I learned uh, in film school a million years ago. And, uh, well, you know, I picked up Good. all kinds of weird stuff along the way. Cool. Well, and you're you're bringing that skill set to bear on what we're doing here, Patrick, in a in a great way. And I just love to see the evolution of this. Is how much more professional you're becoming every week. It's like, man, right before your eyes, you're growing into a real producer. Some of the ideas I've developed over my time in the program and help people take some of these next steps, which we're doing and. And it just touches my heart to see your evolution. Well, we need, and we need, we need his revolution, his evolution, because because one of the things I was saying just before we we went on air is 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 how much I think that he, Patrick, that you you uh, you you kind of keep us honest, you keep us on track a, a, a little bit, and and it's like especially as we're doing as we're working with Alan's book, uh, as as you know, we're as we're reading through the book, it's like. Uh, a couple of times already that you have you have uh, asked some questions that I think because maybe because we spend so much time with the subject matter in our heads all the time, Alan, that, that it's, it's helpful to have somebody who doesn't necessarily do that to ask a question because it could, can be things that we miss that we well, take for I, granted. Yeah. You know, you and I have said that it's kind of great to have Patrick go through the book and he says, hey, you guys talk about this one. And, and it's great. It, we may yeah. have picked that as well. We may not have, you know, it's. Yeah. Just depending on the lens, but but I'm I'm inspired by those those suggestions, Patrick, and mm -hmm. and I think that they really help Tom and I address some of these things because I think mm -hmm. we do really well when we're spontaneous, Tom. 
We hey. did, that, 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 I mean, that, 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 as they say, that's my jam as far as it's it like, is. it's like, it's, it's that, it's that scene from Butch Cassidy, Alan, that I, I shared with you a long time ago, where, where, Butch, uh, where, where, when they're going straight, Sundance has to, is trying to get a job. And the guy says, can you shoot? And, and he, and he has to hold the gun and, 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 and point it and shoot it. And he, and he misses. And, and Butch is amazing. And, and then Sundance says, can I move? And, uh, and, and what do you mean by that? And he sticks his gun in his holster and then he does, he does his fast draw thing. And then of course he just he shoots the hell out of the thing. It's like, I, yeah, I told you before one of our workshops one time when, when I was having, when I was feeling anxious about planning, I, I said, I said, I like I sent it to you. And it's just, it's just, I think this is how I do workshops. I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm really not trying to compare myself to the Sundance kid, but I, but I do think I have to move, you know, it's, it's, it's like I don't know that I can do it just straight out of the box. So so and 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 this and so my check-in would just be that this this has become for me uh, much as the Thursday group has as well, but a mainstay in my life. It's it's like it's just a part of it's as much a part of my recovery as it is a part of my work at this point. And 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 to know that I'm going to get to see you guys, you know, each each Sunday and and uh, and check in, do this and. Uh, um, and never know exactly where the conversation is going, but it's going to go someplace uh, interesting. And it's, I'm always left thinking about things in some other direction, but, but for me personally, I would just like to say, I'm just, I'm feeling really, really solid. And I just got off the phone with a old friend that I hadn't talked to in many, many, many years. And, and uh, all, and that's the reason I had texted you guys that I might be late. I didn't realize what time it was. And I realized I was still talking to her on the phone and just, we were just got to reminiscing and, and that, you know, 67 years on the planet, there's a, there's a lot of things you can talk about. Yeah. So, but I'm, but it felt great to reconnect and, and uh, made me um, happy. Today we put a TV wall on mount for a TV on the wall together. Mm -hmm. You know, he's helping out. I mean, we we wouldn't be where we're at with this move if it wasn't for Tom. And it's just been great having him participate in all of this. And you know, you mentioned last time, Patrick, we were going to talk about you know this true self, false self stuff, and that the the true self kind of grates against the false self, right? I mean, and you can think of it the other way around: the false self grates the true self mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a very interesting thing is if we go back to this Thursday night group, you know, you and I have seen this now, Tom, so many mm -hmm. times, like we have somebody in the group that's been coming for a while. And she shared this last Thursday night after somebody else shared about the struggle she was having. And, and this woman came in and she, you know, she talked about what it meant when we invited her to sing to the group mm -hmm. and that she found her voice. Mm -hmm. And see, I, I wanted to use that as, as an example of what we're talking about here. If you guys, if you're the listeners would have heard Carol talk, mm -hmm. what, a year ago now or over a year mm -hmm. ago, she mm -hmm. joined that group. Yeah. First of all, she wouldn't have had her, her video on. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, she, she would have been very hesitant. You would have heard it in her voice. Um, almost apologetic is the way I would describe her for taking up space and stuff. And this last Thursday night, she turned her video on. She was vibrant. She looked beautiful. She was talking with such confidence and clarity and conviction to what she was experiencing and sharing about the importance of being able to, to find herself and, and to really support herself in getting out there. So, Patrick, what a great example of somebody whose true self now 
right? Her ability, see, and we were talking about this ahead of time, and I think it's a good way to start this discussion, is what do we mean by true self? See, I think a lot of people get the image of, okay, I've got a latent Picasso inside of me, or I've got a latent Rembrandt, or oh, wow. latent, you know, um, you know, Beethoven or something like this. And, you know, and that's not what we're referring to at all when we, or what I'm referring to when I refer to somebody's true self, what I'm referring to is what it means to be a human comma being. And I like to write human being that way. Human mm -hmm. with a comma being. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be and to be human in that being? See, I think that that's what this conversation is going to have today. And Tom, I loved it when you said, you know, people don't realize it, but a lot of the pain they're in is because they've ignored that part of themselves. Right. Well, yeah, the, the thing that, that that we were saying is when people would say, well, who, like what you say, is, is it a is it a, a Picasso or, you know, we we set those high standards that, oh, my true self, that sounds like an amazing thing. It's like I must have there's going to be a lot of work to create this it's like, well, yeah. you we're our position of this is, you know, always put the disclaimer in there. It's metaphor so we can change it around to, to fit whatever we need to. But it's like ultimately it's. Um, the true self is always is is, is 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 was born with us and has always been with us. And what I what I've told people before was was that if you want to find your true self, that's if you're beginning this process, especially, but also throughout it at various times, it's the part of you that that hurts. Yeah. It's the it's it's where the pain is coming from. It's like because because it's you know it's it's the pain is you know what does pain do? Pain draws our attention. It's yep. like if, if I have a, if I have a headache, if I have you know my left arm starts to 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 hurt and you know radiating pain down my left arm, I'm leaving the podcast you know immediately because because I understand this is calling my attention and saying do something about this. It's like and but we have learned so much out of our sense of discouragement and even hopelessness to to try to hide from our own pain, try to ignore our own pain. But, you know, and it's, and it's a kind of a weird thing when you come in to see one of us individually, or you come to the group or whatever is like, we're going right toward it. You know, that, that talk about the nutshells. It's, you know, always, always move towards your demons. They take their power from your retreat. It's like, you know, if you, the more we run from it, the, 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 the bigger the pain has to get. So we want to say, where does it hurt? It's like, it's like you go to the doctor, where does it hurt? Let's go look at that. And that is where your true self is. It's and, where it starts. And if we tie emotional sobriety into this whole discussion, Patrick, you know, one of the, the themes, and I think it's the major theme of emotional sobriety is emotional freedom. Yes. Right. And if, and if we talk about emotional freedom, you know, we can only achieve emotional freedom by being centered in who we truly are. See, if I try to be someone I'm not, I can never achieve emotional sobriety because when I'm trying to be someone I'm not, I'm doing that because I want you to think about me a certain way. So if I change myself this way, Patrick will like me. If I look mm -hmm. like this, Patrick will like me. Mm -hmm. If I can do this dance well enough, Patrick will like me. You know, what were you calling it, Tom, is that we're so focused on our performance. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also pointing out to you that I don't think Patrick likes you, but well, it's uh, uh, <laughs> just, just incorrect. That's, that's, that is incorrect. It may, it may just be me. I, I could be wrong. It's uh, <laughs> you never. No, no, that's that's but finding the, finding the true self, though. It's much more. Uh, 
you get there by eliminating false selves. It's it's more of like you identify the negative first and you peel that away and then what remains, right? That yeah, is okay. what, there's a lot of wisdom. There's a nutshell in that one, Patrick, is that sometimes we know who we are by first understanding who we're not. That's right. Yeah. Well, the, all, I think all is one of my one of I have a, a specific nutshell that says uh, beneath beneath who you are not is where you will find who you are. There it it's, is. And, it, and it truly is an excavation mission. Yeah. It's like and so because if you ask people, you know, I mean, one of the more intimidating questions about this kind of work, it's really almost it's almost more philosophy than it is psychology. Sometimes it's like, who who are you? Who am I? It's like and people go, like, I don't know. It's like, and it's like, and of course, what we want to say is, of course, you don't know. It's like, it's it, first of all, it's very crowded in there, yeah. you know, and and it's like there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on there, a lot, of, a lot of voices, a lot of different things, and that's not craziness. That's the nature of. I always want to remind people, the nature of consciousness is multiple, not singular. The you know, I always, I was, you know, I point out that the 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 myth of singularity is this is is this this lie that we grow up in our world is that we're supposed to be singular in nature and that we're supposed to have one thought and one feeling about everything and and that's just ridiculous. The more important the issue is, the more different the more different perspectives we have, and it, there's so many much going on. It 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 is sort of a fine Waldo thing going in there and trying to find who, who you know where am I. It's not even who am I, it's where am I? You know, let, let me read what Roger said about the fully functioning person, because I think it's really apropos, mm -hmm. this discussion. Um, he, so Roger said that the fully functioning person embraces existential living. In other words, they're able to live fully in the moment. They experience a sense of inner freedom and embrace creativity excitement and challenges they embrace you know creativity excitement and challenges such a person experiences the present with immediacy he is able to live in his feelings and reactions of the moment but he is not bound by the structure of his past learnings but these are a present resource for him insofar as they relate to the experience of the moment he lives freely, subjectively, in an existential confrontation of this moment in life. So the other ideas about it is that the fully functioning person has a certain flexibility, ability to be responsible, right? Being able to respond because we're not bound by these stereotypes, by being fixed in any way. So when you start to get this picture, is this is a person who's fully alive and engaged. And if they come across sadness, they cry. If they're feeling joy, they laugh, they enjoy it. But life for that, when we're fully functioning, is filled with whatever it is. There's no supposed to be. Mm -hmm. There's a total immersion in what is happening. And you think about like how wonderful that sounds, right? It's like, my God, I want that. You know, I say all the time, I really believe my drug usage, you know, which included alcohol and other drugs, made me have moments of that existential living. I was totally mm -hmm. present. I let go of everything else. The problem was it was drug induced. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I couldn't sustain it after after I got sober or after I got the, you know, the drugs detoxed out of my system. I just wanted to make sure I jumped in and asked, uh, have you guys achieved those moments of nirvana and recovery uh, just through 
all this work you guys have been doing. I mean, I'm sure there've been moments where you guys are like, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm really engaged and I'm, I'm enjoying myself and uh, I'm responsible. Like you said, Here, here's the thing I would, Alan, when you were describing that just then about the present tense stuff like that, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not, well, I won't say almost, I'm, there's a part of me that's uncomfortable saying this because, because I don't, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just leave it there is because you're, you were describing my day today. It's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's been a long time coming. It's not something maybe there are places I've glimpsed it along the way, but I actually have those, those times in my life, uh, you know, and I understand not, and I've learned a lot about not to attach to them because, because that's going to cut, those are going to come and go too. But today, today I was, you know, I'm always talking about being out with my, my dog Lucas and we're out there in the, in the woods doing our thing. We just, just, I was writing some and I was, I was, we were just sitting there listening to music and, it was all in the moment. It was fine. I was happy. And it's like, it, and it was, there were, there wasn't anything else but that. And it's like, when you described it, I was just sitting there going, you know, the voice in my head who cusses a lot says, fuck man, that's what we were doing. And so, yeah, it's, it, there's, there is that there is, you know, cause that's one of the themes of questions you asked Patrick a lot, which is, Tell, just just tell me there's payoff you know tell me the tell me the tell me the hard work pays off and it's like it does you know and you'll never see why it coming when it's you, you don't see it coming it's just when you when, when i heard the description i said yeah i i have some of that well i've always figured you know uh don't get to, so attached to the outcome be more of a process guy than an outcome yeah. guy and uh you know, it would be nice to have these big payoffs, but I think um, there's value in the doing is my well, take on it so go, far. Well, that's, and that goes back to what I was going to say about what Alan was saying about the about those 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 existential highs and moments and, you know, that were drug induced, because uh, I, I agree with, with that experience, too. But part of the problem was that they were drug induced. And another part of the problem is that, that you know, that we didn't understand them and that we we thought that first of all that we that we were you know it never occurred to me not to that 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 the answer was in the drug you know that, that you know the truth is when somebody does something that's drugging it puts you in touch with something just the same as if you do have a good powerful therapy session it puts yeah. you in touch, touch with something that's in here and it's like so and then the other thing is and i don't know what makes us different from other people but i do believe that the three of us and, and are actually neurologically in our brains. We are at, we are all addicts, and, and we are different from because I talk to a lot of people who aren't addicts. We are different in how we relate to things that, that like this. And the thing about about it is, one of the problems with with that for me is is uh, there's that part of me that kicks in. Well, that if that feels good, then I must feel it all the time. I need more of it. I have to have it all the time, and, and that's not the nature. Of, of life. That's not the nature of being real and being, you know, grounded in, in, in my true, honest self is that I'm going to feel great all the time or totally enlightened all the time. I'm not. It's like, you know, and, and, but that's what I wanted. That's why I kept drinking. That's why I kept drugging. Right on. And that, that was part of it. We wanted it. We wanted it to capture part of life, but not all of life. Right. It's uh, right. Yes. We were very selective. It's right. I good all the time. Well, we were, all a la carte, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll eat from this side of the bar. Yeah, no, it's 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 we fool ourselves with those things so much. And look, the, the other problem is, is that that we live in a culture that does not encourage 
what we're talking about. You know, we are counterculture right here. Mm-hmm. We are going against the grain, man. I mean, this is, we are definitely going against the grain with this work. You know, the culture encourages to be focused on having. I mean, it's so interesting when I look at some of the history of the United States is how credit was actually created to help people buy things they couldn't afford because Mm -hmm. they had the idea they had to have things to be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have the money, it's okay. We're going to advance you credits because you need to have these things. Mm -hmm. And we keep reinforcing this having that I am more the more I have. And, you know, we got a culture that what do we consume a good portion of the world's resources? You know, and we're only a, a low percentage of the world, and we consume most of the resources of the world. Wow, talk about an addict, right? <laughs> I mean, well, that a good point because at that point, because by doing that, we're also medicating ourselves. You know, it's you know, we are you know, uh, so so that we are that's part of how we hide that that pain, yeah, that we that we're saying, let's let's all step aside here, let's put that stuff aside, and let's listen inside, see how you're really feeling. No, that's right. That's right. And that, and that's the other thing that's happened is that we've, we've, I think, in the way that our culture has unfolded, we've encouraged people to avoid themselves. And that the solution is outside. If I just have that girlfriend, if I just get that car, if I get that job, you know, if I have this much money, or I buy that house or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. we're going to be okay. And you know, you hear me say this all the time is that we've got the mentality, I'm okay, if and mm-hmm. that is the setup, right? That's the setup we're, that that in, in my opinion, undermines the development of our true self, which our true self is designed to be I'm okay, even if things don't work out. I'm okay, even if I have the ability to adapt, to deal, to cope. I have, you know, what what was it we said on Thursday night? Roger was talking about Dr. Brandon when he says, Mm -hmm. uh, when that that he comes out of the room and his little six-year-old says, what do you do with my mommy in those Mm -hmm. sessions, right? Well, I help my mommy realize some of the things that that she's forgotten about herself or something like that mm-hmm. uh, is to discover her lost true self that's inside of us Absolutely. and i see that i mean my god recovery has helped me find myself again in ways that i would have never imagined you know i've, oh. I've uncovered certain things in my ability especially to cope with things that i never thought i'd be able to cope with would you say well, that, uh, recovery recovery circles and then there's church, but I mean, these are the places where you must go inside and seek spiritual solution because, you know, you've tried every combination of, uh, of external, uh, you know, repair and it's just not working. Way, that's so true. And what I would say is that, you know, one of the ways I think that, emo- that, that let's say the 12 step recovery programs promote emotional sobriety is it's it's in a it's a unique integration of behaviorism dynamic psychology and spirituality mm-hmm. is all three of those things get combined it's a behavioral approach it's a psychological approach and it's a spiritual approach 
all in one package, man. And it turns out that that's a very powerful combination of different modalities. Yeah, you walk into a place that is focused on what we're talking about. AA is a good good place, but it's not, it's not, the, not the only place that does this. But what happens is you're greeted by somebody who holds something up in front of you, and it's a mirror. You go into the program, you're not quite ready. You hear some shit, you're going like, I'm out of here. It's like... You know, you may not even do it consciously, but it's it's like, you know, I've, I've got a client that, that I love her story because she she was she knew there was something in there for her. But she would. So she, her first few sessions that she actually counts as sessions, she sat in the parking lot during the meeting uh, in her car. And then she tells about the time that she went in and waited and, and sat for five minutes and then went back out to her parking lot. And, you know, and it's, it's like, and I, and I, if you listen to that, what you're hearing is it's just really tough when you're looking in that mirror because, because we're not going to give you the answers. We got, we, we, it's a process. We have a process that you go through, but the answers are within you, you know, and AA is not the only place that has that kind of philosophy, but that's, a, that's it's just, it's a, very familiar to me and to you guys that there's a place where if it's, if we're, if, you know, and you know, principles before personalities, but it's like, you know, the principles are going to guide us and boy, this is what you're doing, Alan, with, with the going through the, uh, the, uh, 12 steps on Thursday night, uh, through the lens of, of, uh, emotional sobriety. I mean, this last Thursday night, and if I'm getting off topic, I'll, I'll shut up right after this. You can bring it back. But this last Thursday night, and I said this during the meeting, it's, it's like you, you know, when you talk about preparing to make amends, we're talking about step eight, preparing to make amends. It's like, it's like you know, I, I, you know, I understood the idea of putting ourselves on the list of people we have have harmed. I never had put it into a very clear how my self-hatred, my self-harm set me up to be harmful to other people. It was more than including myself yes. in the list. It was more than, okay, I've heard Alan, I've heard Patrick, but me too. It's like, and then I, there was just a, there was just one of those, I just had kind of an epiphany uh, on Thursday night that was like, oh shit. It's like, again, it, this, it, uh, my wife calls it positive selfishness. I love that term. She says, you know, nobody talks about positive selfishness and she defines it as, as self-focused that not only doesn't harm anybody else, it actually helps others. And this is a perfect example of that because by me understanding that the source, if I don't understand the source of my being, being harmful to at any level to other people, if I don't understand that, then that means it's still going to be happening. If I really want to stop it, I have to get that. So I that go to the source. No, I, I appreciated that. And when you said that, that, you know, meant a lot. And listen, I have discovered this as we're going along. That was one of those moments of creativity when I said, yeah. oh, my God, let's talk about self-hate in this. I've been around a long time. No one in my experience has ever said it that clearly that part of what we have to look at in harming ourselves is our self-hate. I mean, we talk around it. I'm, I'm not saying we don't speak to that issue, that we don't feel good about ourselves. But I don't think it's it's ever put in that context as clearly. You, you, you also put, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm trained as a social worker, so everything's systems theory. You know, yeah. it's like it's, it's so powerful that you don't change anything in a system without everything, everything else having to be effect, having to be affected. The idea of there's lots of these things. And, I, you know, and I would imagine that if, if you know, that, that we'll still be, you know, when I'm 112 on my deathbed, I will not have finished connecting everything together. It's, it's, it's like because it's, you know, it's 
this isn't something you finish. This is something you practice. And, but, but the idea of making that connection, the self-hate to the, to the, to, to taking care of ourselves in the program with, with step eight. And then the fact that uh, the idea is I'm not doing that out of some sort of, uh, of special feeling of love for myself as, as much as it's a very practical, it, it needs to be practical for me. It's like that my, my, my recovery self, my true self is I, I believe it is, 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 is very practical. And would say like, that's why you do that. Yeah. You do that because if you, you know, even if you're not a big fan of yourself today, Tom, you know, if you don't, if you want to be better to other human beings, you still have to address this. Yes, because because it's not, you're not, you don't just do it for yourself. You do it for other people too. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, uh, when I decided to ask for help, uh, it was the uh, breaking of that illusion that uh, when I'm getting loaded, it's just my face down in the gutter and I'm not connected to anybody yeah. else. And that my actions don't have a negative ripple effect on the people I care about. And I know right. exactly what you mean. It's like, I've got to take care of me so that uh, I can, uh, so I can take some of the grief away from my parents, you know, and that's, I think that was, you can help them heal, but even when we're not helping somebody heal, we, we can, we can stop doing harm so they can give them some space to heal. So we're not at, we're not adding on to that, that it's like, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as, as like, Hey Tom, why don't you not, why, you know, just why, why, don't you, why don't you ease up on these people? And now we're talking, Alan's teaching us basically how, do, where does that start? It starts on easing up on myself. Well, you know what I connected to that I want to bring into the meeting, and it's relevant here as we talk about, you know, what is emotional sobriety and and what is a true self. See, when I decided, and, and I don't mean because you know, as kids, we don't decide in the way we decide as adults. It's not like we weigh out all these possibilities and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's not a decision mm-hmm. like that, right? If 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 you study Piaget at all, is the mind, you know, unfolds. And as it unfolds, new possibilities become available to us, right? So when we make a decision early in life, we're making it not in the way we would make a decision today. So it's hard to think about how we make that decision, because we're not thinking that way anymore. We It's right, hard, right. hard to be of that mind anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I, so, but there is a decision that's made that I have to be something other than I am to be okay. And and you can hear it in some of the examples I gave about the parenting things like the, the subtle unintentional messages parents give that cause a child to say, Oh, I'm not okay. I mean, I'm not okay. I'm, you know, and that starts the self-hating process. I mean, it's, it's so damn insidious and subtle it's maddening right tom i mean it's such it's such a great reason to advocate conscious parenting i swear to god because if we can be aware of this stuff maybe we can stop passing on some of these things as we do unintentionally um but but what i was saying is that at that moment i reject myself now i Try to be something I'm not in order to get you to feel a certain way. It's my first attempt at trying to control my life and the outcomes in my life. And so, okay, so so let me ask you this question in terms of your language with this. That's the genesis of false self. Yes. Okay. It starts at that particular moment. And now, in, in this idea, obviously, 
unfolds as our consciousness unfolds mm -hmm. is now I have to be something other than I am. And a child, it may just be, I can't be as whiny. I'm not okay if I'm a whiny kid, right? And they're not going to think about anything like, I've got to be this kind of a person to be okay. But it starts to lay down this it starts kind with of negatives. It starts with what yes. you can't. Yeah, it, it, when we talk about, yes, what, what I what I am that I shouldn't be. The that's, shoulds begin there, too. So, so the should, shoulds are very connected to the false self. Right on. The should demand start to come in. And yeah. it's, it's so, and like I said, it's hard for us to imagine it. At what if what is a four-year-old's or a three-year-old's consciousness now look and then we can even take this back and, and there's a great book out now about um god I, I forgot the title of it but but it's it's by this um he's a brilliant um psychologist and he talks about oh your body keeps score that's the title of the book it's a number one oh. um, i know who you're talking about you know talking yeah. about he's a dutch guy yeah. wonderful yeah yeah um, and, and, you know, what he talks about is that we do register this stuff at a somatic level. Now, I'm saying that because even pre-verbally, we probably register this stuff as child. When a parent gets upset with us, there's a certain feeling inside of us that, oh, I'm not mm -hmm. okay, right? I'm not mm -hmm. okay the way I am. And that's not, there's no words that are associated with that. That's a total body experience at that point in time. Right. So it's interesting how you think about this as things being layered on top of things being layered. And as we're layering these stuff, we get farther and farther away from being from a being a human comma being. Right. Yes. We become what is the people say a human doing or a human mm -hmm. performing or are now I need to be a certain way to be OK. And then the culture comes in and now I have to have this to be okay and that to be okay. And, and we're off and running. <laughs> I mean, it, but, it, but, it, but, the, but, but really important is where you're, because you're bringing it home to this, the, where it begins, it, it doesn't begin in the, in these big, it's not a big revelation that I'm bad or something wrong with me. It's, 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 it's like it chips away. It chips it's, away. It's, it just chips away a little at a time. And it's like, because one of the things that's been, and, and we hear people talk about this in the Thursday group. Sometimes I hear that in, in therapy a bunch. Is, and, my, and I identify with it is because I, you know, I, you know, and, and we talked about it a little bit in the group, as a matter of fact, is the idea that I, I'm somebody who did not, does not come from a, a, you know, I get, you know, a classic abusive home, you know, so, so basically you go, there's not, I can't say, okay, well, because I was beaten on a daily basis about this is what happened. And so that's what, that creates a lot of confusion. And, and we have to be careful too, because we want people who are listening to understand that it's very also normal when you start talking about your family to remember, we're, we're not looking, we're not looking to, to lay blame on people. We're looking for explanation. We're looking to understand. It's like we're 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 trying to, and and the idea is is we're trying to figure out how we learn these things. Not you know because that way it's the more we can understand how this happened, the better we are, better equipped we are to to change it. Yes. It's like and it's not it's not it's not just oh this you know my parents told me I were I was a piece of shit so that's why I believe I'm a piece of shit. And what I was saying in my my family, the uh, the ver verbal messages were all the opposite of that. They were all positive messages and so i was very confused when i began therapy because i i thought you know one more place i thought i didn't belong 
because right. these other people had been you've been horribly mistreated, right. but not me, not you. you know, until yeah. I stayed in therapy. And one of the things I always tell people, the longer you stay in therapy, the sicker your family gets. <laughs> you How sit there for a while and you go like, oh, shit, that's not normal. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Patrick, ask, oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, I was going to ask um, that education in self, you know, uh, when you're first talking to people that are embarking on this journey towards emotional sobriety, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, how does, and, and from a practical point of view, how does that education itself usually begin? It's, it's a lot of inventory I'd imagine. And, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, just. Well, one yeah, of the things inventory. that, well, one of the things that I, that actually, this is one of those things where, you know, I've said for a long time, Alan, that since I've started working with you, I, I've, I've had a new appreciation for the, the very first book I ever wrote called Simple Truth, uh, because I, I real, I'm realizing more and more looking at it through the lens of, of emotional sobriety that a lot of it was there. And it's like and, and one of the, 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 the short chapter I have on on family there is is to it basically suggest the metaphor of rather than making it about blame and all this other stuff, just think of your family as your alma mater. This is the school you went to, 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 to learn. And so the inventory, it, it's a very brief little chapter. So it has just two inventories, but one of them is take the people in the family and say, what did I learn from these people? You know, what, in other words, what did the teachers teach? What did each teacher? And then the other is just think in terms of subjects. So I often will give the example of if you ask me about my alma mater, where I grew up in my family, and you say, what did they teach about sexuality? I go like, well, no, they, they didn't. There was nothing. There was nothing offered, you know, in that. It's, it's yeah, you know, there was, the, the, yeah, no, there was a there was a little green book that showed up in my uh, in the middle of my bed one day that this was called Into Manhood. And and I, I, I can only imagine that my whoever left left it there must have used some prongs or something like that. Not so they didn't touch it, you know, and, and dropped it there. Nobody ever mentioned it. Nobody it just appeared in my book. In my, and of course, I wasn't going to ask. I wasn't going to say anything about it. But it's, it's like so in that particular case, no, there was no education there. So where so I look at people who have all these other reasons for sexual shame. Where did my sexual shame come from? Well, if you look at it and if you investigate it as as learning process, it, it came from from this lack of this total void of information, and it became very clear that that they were my parents were both you know I I didn't think of them as being you know, having sexual shame at the time, but I did get it that this is not something we talk about. Yeah, this is this this something's, and, wrong, something's that, not right and, about this. And I didn't even say that on Thursday night that. Mm -hmm that I, I want to remind myself to say next Thursday, because mm -hmm. some of these things, it's the message isn't given directly. It's a mm -hmm. very covert message. It's, it's what's not said. And yeah. Like what's not said is communicating. Mm -hmm. This is a dangerous topic. Don't go there. Mm -hmm. So it generates, there's a certain energy that gets generated around it that says this is taboo. This is mm -hmm. bad. Stay away from it. And then when you start having feelings like that, because we can't, you know, discern at that point in time, because we're just developing those abilities to differentiate. We just take that in, man. It just, mm -hmm. we take it on. That becomes our reality. Mm -hmm. But here's the good news. And I wanted to say this, is as we talk about this true self, one characteristic that I think is so important that Dr. Carl Rogers observed is that we have the potential to become the sifter of our own experience. Mm -hmm. 
That's how he said it. The sifter of our own experience. And I, I thought of that sifter with flour, right? As you're yeah, yeah. through the flour, right? And separating it out. And, and really, the separation is the process of differentiation. And what Carl Rogers is talking about is that if I become the sifter of my experience, then I will decide what fits and what doesn't. You, you and your beliefs about me or your limited perceptions won't define me. What's going to define me is I will sift through my experience. If you say, hey, I think you were wrong on that. I'll sift through my experience. I won't go outright and say, well, I, I you know, nonsense. I won't, I won't have to get defensive because at the end, I know I'm the sifter of my own experience. I can weigh through that, that your feedback and decide if it fits or if it doesn't. And if it doesn't, I can say, wow, I can see you're upset with me, but I don't see my part in this yet. And maybe I, I don't, maybe I don't have a part in this. It. I want to talk to you more about it. So it would be that I would be talking to you from a undefended position. I, there's it, nothing to defend. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I call it, uh, I respect your opinion. I trust my judgment. Yeah, that's a great yeah. way to see. That's the being yeah. the sifter yeah. of our yeah. own experience. Because because respect in that case, because often we, we mistakenly think right. respect means agreement. It's like, oh. no, respect means I get it that you're a separate person, a separate individual, separate way of thinking about stuff. So that's that's what we, we need more of everywhere. And I mean, certain, certainly in, in our political world, we could use a lot of that is where we could actually have conversations where people of different perspectives could come together and talk. And it's like what you're saying there is is so important because, and against the message, a message you're bringing with your book, for instance, and, and is is and we, let me say this with a true false to it, so you can be sure I'm getting it. It's like is is that as we as you know, I'd like the point we're making today that that basically, if you're if you're discovering all these versions of false self inside of you you're making progress. This is not a bad thing. It's like, even though it can be a very distressing thing, it's like this, we're going to sort, we're going to, we're going to do this excavation. We're going to dig in here and we're going to find that. But I promise you that pain is coming from your true self. And what, one of the things we're trying to do is then deliver messages that have never been delivered to that true self. And one of them is just simply that, that what you're saying from Rogers is, 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 you know, you can be the sifter of your own experience. And, and it's like, and one of the reasons that people don't do it is because it never came up. Right. That's right. We just got the criticism on the tail end, but no instruction. See, that's the other thing. We don't get instruction. I think some of us also need to get like sifter repairs. We must agree with the other person in terms of what the reality is. And there's this mistaken, I'm working with this one family and it became so apparent that for them, they define togetherness as agreement. Mm. Wow. There's no room for difference in that family. When people have a different experience, it's no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And if the other person doesn't cave in and give up their reality for the, the group think right on it, they're mm -hmm. terrible. They're bad. You've got a borderline personality disorder or whatever. I mean, they get labeled in all this pressure to conform with the group think. And there's no room. And some families do not make much room at all for individuality. Some families fall out of the other side of the bed. They're so damn independent and there is so much into their individual selves. They have no idea what togetherness looks like. Right. <laughs> I mean, and you can fall out of one side of that bed or the other. There's no question about it. 
But you know what? The good news about emotional sobriety for me is if we keep coming back to freedom, all of this stuff, any experience I have, as, as we've talked about, can be grist for that, that mill, that, that personal growth mill to help me become what I can be. And that's why I, I think that another great thing about what we're talking about is we can learn from any experience we've had. Mm -hmm. that's the other thing that that what we're capable of is being able to have a incredibly traumatic experience and sift through it and take from it that which will grow us and let go of the rest and right. i love what tom says that to me that's the process of going from victim to person right 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 it's 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 the it's not what happens to me it's what i do it's how i respond to what happens to me and if we're learning then we're succeeding does that seem too simplified no i think that's the essence of success mm -hmm. is yeah you know, it's, um you're absorbing yeah, it, something and then uh integrating right. Well, it's, and it goes back to that, that the term we used, we've used from the beginning of our, even our other podcast, uh, start right here was, was, was the positive opportunism. Okay. It's like, you know, if we see, you know, and, and that's the thing, if we, if we see, because what you're also describing is that we learn, we, we learn something that at least from our perspective and where, where we're choosing to come from, we we own, we need to own that, that we're choosing to come from this perspective is, uh, that, you know, be, it's all about becoming, becoming something, you know, it's, and so it's, it does have that sense of, I'm all, you know, so it's my true self, something, is it the, is it the, un, un, the, the Picasso I have not even begun? It's like, well, no, it's, it's like, this is about who we are now. And this is the, the piece we've been, we also talked about recently, which is that emotional sobriety, the, the freedom, and I would, and I would add to that, the peace, that comes with that. And that doesn't mean agreement and everything has to be hunky dory. Peace comes with acceptance, you know, and, 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 um, I've been, I've been reading more Nathaniel Brandon since you and Roger talk about him so much. And, and he just does such a beautiful job as you guys both have too, of, of making clear that, that, you know, it's important for us to understand that acceptance, accepting ourselves does not mean that everything is just fine and nothing has to ever change. Right. You know, it's, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means in the present, I am, I am good. I am fine the way I am. I, the, this is, this is where I am right now and I am acceptable. And it doesn't mean we like it. It doesn't mean we don't like it. It just means can, nothing more than, than what it actually says. I am and I start from here and I want to improve. That's not a rejection of myself. I'm not improving to re because I'm rejecting myself, I'm improving because I want to improve. Well, I I use the simple and kind of goofy metaphor of just of just ge geography. It's like the truth is, if I want to go, if, if I want to go see you uh, uh, right now, if I want to travel to Philadelphia or, or or outside of Philadelphia where you are, it's like okay, I can do that. But if I want to get a map, what I have to do, and we don't think about this, I have to know where I am. Yes, that's right. In order to get there, okay. If I if I map my plan by where Patrick is, then I've got a plan how to get there from California. It's yeah. like it's not going to help me. It's it's like I need to know that I'm in Ashton City, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, and from there, for knowing that's if I don't, and that's 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 all acceptance is. I am here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well said. Well said, Tom. Very well said. Well, look, this has been a great discussion, guys. I mean. 
you know, we'll keep this going. I mean, we're going to keep defining emotional let's, sobriety. Let's do, let's do that. Let's keep this going. Let's keep it going. And I think, uh, I yeah, great discussion. And um, maybe next week we can get to environmental support versus self-support because that's another major part of the chapter and I think uh, key, right? There goes our producer again. There Tom. he is. I'm he, telling you, he keep, huh? that was on track right there. That was an example of he's, what he, he's producing. He is producing. <laughs> producing. And one of these uh, one of these days, uh, that example of Picasso, I'd like to look into that, actually, because I, I don't know a lot about Picasso, but I, I try to look at those achievers as kind of like, you know, either they're extremely emotionally insecure, you know, or they're kind of like aberrations of well, humanity. And you can you see know? <laughs> many artists, the evolution of their work. Mm -hmm. I mean, they continuing discover new possibilities as, as they're working. I mean, that's the exciting thing. And that's what's so sad about losing some of the artists that we've lost at young ages is we never got to see the full evolution. Where, that, where, where they would have gone. I would have seen where Hendrix would have gone with his. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of Hendrix, yeah. You know, I was mm -hmm. thinking of Jim Morrison and what where he mm -hmm. would have taken. And, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, examples after example of that, I mean, um, I think that, you know, we all, there's an artist that I love. He's a Russian artist named Smirnov, Alexander Smirnov. And I've got a few pieces of his work. He died at 55 years old. I wonder what his work would have looked like if he lived till 70. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a young man. He had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. We are all evolving and we're always changing and sometimes we embrace that and sometimes we a lot of times we don't but with the cool part when we have community like we like we are here like like even just the three three of us right now represent we are a community one of the things we get to do and this is one of the greatest things about support is we get to remind each other Yes. It's like, you know, the, the idea is, you know, human beings are forgetting machines. I heard that in AA many years ago. And what I figured out along the way was our memories don't need to get better. We just need to build lives that are just full of, of post-it notes. And we are each other's post-it notes, you know, and sometimes we do it directly, but other times we just do it by being, you know, it's like when I'm talking to you guys, I'm just going to be a, a more, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be my very best as far as being emotionally honest as I can be, because that's the nature of our relationship. Yeah. And so, so, I, you know, I, I, by, by staying in touch with you guys, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I miss the opportunity to get lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Right on. I hear you, man. Listen, I was going to just circle back and close off one thing and then we'll stop with this. Mm -hmm. You know, you talked about how um, important this has become in your life. And, you know, I've been having a lot of these great moments with Tom where we just sit around and talk and, and connect mm -hmm. on things. And, you know, he's just telling me the so important to have a purpose in his life is that he gets up and even coming out and helping me has been so meaningful for him because it gives him something to serve that's outside of himself. And I was thinking that that is one of the things that these podcasts and the Thursday night have given you and I, Tom, is a chance to serve people. We're not being yeah. paid. In fact, we're paying <laughs> a lot of times for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we're giving something back that's bigger than you and I. We're helping people understand a dynamic called emotional sobriety 
that changes people's lives. And you and I have gotten to witness it firsthand this last mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. the number of people that come in to that meeting on Thursday nights and say, my God, mm -hmm. this is what I've been looking for in my recovery. And I think that that's been important for you and I to have oh. something that's bigger than us. You know what I mean? Amen. Yes. To really serve something that's beyond us. And and you've been a part of that for us, Patrick. I've said mm -hmm. this to you many times, how grateful I am that our lives intersected. And because you're the vehicle for us, Tom and I, to really manifest this stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, you know, I got goosebumps right now. Yep. I mean, yep. That's the, when Tom said that, I said, my God, that's what Tom and I, that's what makes Tom and I so excited about doing it. At this point in our career, mm -hmm. we get to give this stuff. And and it and we do freely in our I'm not freely you know people pay to come and see us but I mean we give it freely in the context of our work but here we're really giving it freely I mean it's something that you and I are volunteering to do and I got to tell you brother I couldn't think of a better person to be doing this with well I'm grateful that you when when the COVID when the when the COVID surrounded us you contacted me and said. What do you think about doing a video series that could add extra support for addicts during this time? You know, we had no idea what was getting ready to come, but it's like, I can tell you that I was grateful that you one more time, and you've done that many times since I've known you one more time, you, you, you wanted to include me in something you were doing and, and we have done, we haven't looked back and that's, that's beautiful. You know, neither you or I would have predicted where this was going. No. You know, uh -huh. would not have in any way understood that the Thursday night meeting would blossom into what we're getting uh -huh. 180 people on a regular basis. Yeah. How grateful is that? I, yeah. It's like it's amazing. <laughs> and Patrick, we're getting, we had three and a half thousand views of the first Thursday night thing that you recorded. Three and a half thousand people got mm. to see what happened there. And we're getting on a regular basis, hundreds of people coming to the, you know, Institute for mm -hmm. Recovery and Emotional Sobriety, a YouTube channel that you created. And mm -hmm. how is the uh, Emotional Sobriety Facebook page on it growing? Um, every week, I feel like we uh, get an influx of uh, new uh, members. And, um, you know, they're reaching out a lot about the podcast, about uh, the meetings. And, um, you know, I just, I'll just say for myself that uh, in more ways than one, you know, the work we do every week keeps me tethered to, mm -hmm. you know, people, America, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that I'm on the outs with. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, and as we're going to find out as we go along is finding a purpose in your life to serve a cause greater than yourself as a part of emotional sobriety. But that's for a chapter down the road. So we'll see everybody next week. All right. All right. Thank you. Till next time. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you then we glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else so here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee 
bring some stories, bring your stories back to me.